just quickly open our bibles to the book of first samuel chapter 24 and we're reading from verses 1 to 12 now it happened when saul had returned from following the philistines that it was told him saying take note david is in the wilderness of engedi then saul took three thousand chosen men from all israel and went to seek david and his men on the rocks of the wild goats so he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to David, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I would deliver your enemy into your hands, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And verse 5, it says, Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master and the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterwards, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My lord, the king. And when the Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, Sabbath seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen the Lord has delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I would not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for I in her cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. No, there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you haunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between me and you, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. 
May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. For those of us who are writing this morning, the title of my sermon is The Other Side of Honor. Hallelujah. The Other Side of Honor. For those of us who are perhaps new in the place of victory, um, the month of October is a month of double honor. And all throughout the month, we have been looking at the subject of honor. What does it truly mean when God says honor? Because if we are to honor people, then we are expected to receive double honor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. And here I began to say that honor is like a two-sided coin. Hallelujah. Honor is like a two-sided coin in the sense that there are the pleasurable parts of honor but there are also the painful sides of honor. Praise God. And so when I shared in previous Sundays um, the beauties of honor, the liftings, the promotions, the remarkable things that honor can bring in the life of man, you must also understand that on the side of it again, there are also the painful sides of honor. In other words, when it becomes difficult for you to honor someone, praise the Lord. For those of us who are in here, we have different platforms through which you can listen to the service, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just go and listen to previous sermons. And so uh, today, I began to look at the fact that human beings are very complex. Praise the Lord. And as a result of our complexities, we tend to um, behave in certain ways that we, if we're going to judge every human being based on their behaviors, perhaps we will not even truly value what they contribute to our lives. Praise God. And I said here that, you know, that every individual is a sum total of their family background, environment, their past experience, their belief systems, and even their values. Now, the reason why this is the case is because you might meet certain people. Yes, in them is what, according to how the Bible said that, what there are treasures in them. But by reason of what they have been through in life, by reason of their experiences, the people they have spent time with, those things are hidden. And by reason are hidden, you know, it affects their character. So they could be horrible people. Praise God. But when you understand that what, when God wants to do something, regardless of your past or what you have done, that treasure still remains valuable to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'll give a good example here. In the book of John, the Bible says here that in the book of John, Jesus made an, a, a very interesting comment. The Bible says here that now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, he said, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But look at what he said here in the 24. He says, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Why? Because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. For he knew what is in man. Praise God. In other words, nobody's above mistakes. Nobody's above flaws. It's a joke. It's, it's, it's a lie for you to think that because you are a Christian, you are all automatically a perfect person. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, a classical example would be the life of Peter. Now, one will say that the moment Peter gave his life to Christ and became a disciple, ideally, everything should have been perfect. Praise God. And so when Jesus was departing, Peter was saying that, you know what, I will follow you to anywhere. How many of us have those friends? That they would promise you heaven and earth. But when it comes to deliver, they are so far away. Praise God. And so the same thing was with Peter. I'm talking about the flaws of men. That human beings are flawed. Praise God. But if you judge them based on those flaws, you are missing the point. Praise the Lord. 
And so here, Peter was saying that, you know, Jesus, I will do anything for you. I will die for you. And the reality of it is, right, if you judge the intent of Peter, I believe he meant it. Praise God. I believe he meant it. However, when the time came, he didn't have the grace to do it. Praise God. And so, for instance, some friends could genuinely mean what they're saying. They could genuinely mean what they're saying. Their intention for you is real. However, when the time comes, they don't have the, the, the fortitude, the, the, the tenacity to fulfill the promises that they have made to you. Does that make them bad? Absolutely not. But you see, when you judge them based on that failed promise, you miss the point. Hallelujah. I trust God that I'm communicating what I'm trying to say here. And so somebody said that human beings are flawed, complicated, and messy. Praise God. Human beings are flawed, complicated, and messy. Yet, the Bible says that what? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Praise God. What a mystery. What a mystery. And so here now, we live in a day where there is cancel culture. Okay? So what I mean cancel culture is the fact that you may have done fantastic things all throughout your life. But the moment you and I disagree on one thing, that means every other thing you did in the past, zero. Praise God. That is the life we live in. And it's in the church. It's in the church. Unfortunately, it's in the church. That is why Jesus was saying that, you know what? Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. But you know what? I have prayed for you. That when you return, strengthen your brethren. I'm going to make an example of you. That when you have come, don't, don't be too quick to judge people. Always learn to be gracious. To extend that arm that, you know what? I give you that leeway that... Perhaps you could make mistakes. Perhaps something must have been wrong the day you made that thing that you did what you did. There could have been several reasons. There could have been several reasons why you did what you did. But nonetheless, I understand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because the reality of when you look out uh, through scriptures, this has always been how God has done it with people. And so many at times we are so quick to throw away the baby and the bathwater. But the reality of it is we must be able to separate people's mistakes from who they are. Because mistake is only an event. Praise God. Now, someone can be bad when they deliberately choose to be bad. Those people, you understand. I mean, you are quick to say, okay, fine, you know what? Stay on your own and I stay on my own. But there are people that when you actually judge them, you realize that these people are struggling. These are the people I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay? And so here, I said that why then is honor so important? Why then is honor so important? The Bible categorically tells us in Hebrews verse 7, verse 7, it says, yet beyond all contradiction, the lesser is always blessed. Of what? The greater. Praise God. The lesser is always blessed by the greater. I'm going somewhere. And I said here that honor has been one of the kingdom principles established by God for the advancement of his people. Praise God. But despite this, remember, I said, okay, just to mop up, just to give a, to try and um, summarize everything I've said so far. I said that what we must honor people in our lives because we don't know what they're capable of doing. And the reality of it is that if we're going to go from one level or the other, then we must learn to honor certain people in our lives. And I said, you must honor God, you must honor people over you, your parents, and things like that. And I said here that, you know what, that when you are blessing, or rather that um, the Bible has told us 
that the lesser would always be blessed of the greater. And so when I'm talking about the greater here, these are people who are capable of pronouncing blessings over you and my life and which will bring about a new chapter entirely. Praise God, okay? But however, the devil has a very funny strategy. He has a very, a very funny strategy. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, and he says that lest we be deceived, and he says to keep Satan from taking advantage of us. He says that what? For we are not ignorant of what? His schemes. Praise God. And I said here that at every juncture of advancement or promotion, the enemy will raise his ugly head to resist. However, his tricks remain the same. They don't change. His tricks remain the same. In that he will always inspire someone to walk against us. And now in this context, the person that is working against you is the one who is capable of blessing you. Remember I said that there are two sides of honor. There are the pleasurable side when you are enjoying or you're basking in the glory of what of the dividends of the blessing. But however, honor has a painful aspect of it as well. Because the question is, just like David, how do you honor somebody who is trying to kill you? Just to put things in perspective, why should I honor this person who is trying to kill me? You know, as a matter of fact, when you read that scripture, that's why it's very, very key to be very discerning. The servants of David said that today, God has fulfilled his word to you. That what? He will deliver your enemies to your hands. Now, somebody would hear that statement and say, within David's right, he's justified to kill Saul. But the Bible says that what? That God said you must do with him as you deem good. That's the secret. Because yes, God will present an opportunity. But what would determine whether you would succeed to the next level or not is contingent on your reaction. So let me give an example. You see, I often tell my wife and I say that the reality of it is that God is very funny. Somebody will offend you. But God will judge the circumstance, not just based on what the person did, but how you responded. Praise God. Because that is the secret to see, have you acted as God willed, or have you acted based on the flesh? That is why David said that when he cut Saul's claws, the Bible said that what his heart condemned him. Because he knew that I have done something against God's own anointed. And the Bible said that from that day, he made that vow that God will be the one to fight this battle and I will have no say in it. Praise the Lord. Because many times the people who are above us, perhaps your boss, perhaps your parents, perhaps your husband, or whatever it is, will do things that are hurtful and within your right. You have every justification on this earth to do whatever you want to do. In the eyes of men, after all, I don't blame you. You did what you felt to do. I know it's not easy. Human beings, we have a way of explaining our weaknesses. You know, we say, oh, it's okay. I understand it. But the reality of it is God's measure of assessment is different. Praise God. And so in this case, David was so wise to say, you know what? I would not do as I want to do. But let God be the judge in all this. Because remember, the end goal is what? Advancement or promotion. Because whoever you honor, God in fact will honor you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so here I said that, you know what? That you cannot discuss the justness of God without looking at God's rewarding. Because God is just. 
You know, many at times we say, oh, God is fair. God is not fair. God, God, rather than say that God is fair, God is what? Just. That's between fairness and just and being just. Praise God. Fairness is that you share things equally. Just is that God gives it according to how it's supposed to be. You know, and someone explained it this way. That could you imagine a mother who has three children? Okay? If she was going to share a chocolate between the three children, she would give them one piece each. In the eyes of men, she has been fair. But however, you realize that as individuals or those three children, they are three different human beings. And those three individuals could have acceptance to sugar levels and all those things. And so there are some that you would give, you have overgiven. And some is undergiving. But when it comes to God, he sees everything and he does it according to how it's supposed to be. But for us as human beings, we try to judge God based on our own standards. Praise God. That is why sometimes you say, oh, you know, but God did not judge this matter fairly. Who told you? Who told you? That's why sometimes, you know, someone sang a song and said, thank God that man is not God. Because the reality of it is we will make a mess because human beings were complicated. Our moods change every now and again. Praise God. But God remains the same irrespective of the conscience or whatever it is. Praise the Lord. Am I making sense? Okay. And so we look at a very interesting case here. The story be between Hagar and Sarah. It's a very, very powerful story. Now, the Bible says in the book of Genesis 16 from verses 1, and I'll read. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she has conceived, look at this. It says that what her mistress became despised in her eyes. You see, honor becomes difficult when the person whom ideally should treat you well is the one being evil to you. That's a true test of can you really honor somebody regardless even when it's good or when it's bad. Praise the Lord. And here the Bible says that what then Sarah said to Abraham, Abraham, my wrong be upon me, upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she had, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. It says, the Lord judged between you and me. In other words, Sarah began to maltreat Hagar. You see, the reality of it is that many of us are pregnant with greatness. But you see, if you are quick to react, that's why I always tell my wife, you know, never make permanent decisions based on how you currently feel. It's naive. You must be able to separate yourself from your emotions and then look at the situation effectively. And so here he said, that, so Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hands. Do with her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Praise God. 
It says, now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring water in the wilderness. You see, the enemy would always want you to enter the wilderness when you are pregnant. Because when you are pregnant, the wilderness is not a place to be. Because nobody is there to help you. Praise the Lord. And what is after is that the baby dies. Praise God. In other words, what you are carrying, the enemy is after to ensure that it does not succeed. Praise God. But if you are discerning enough, then you understand how to respond when things like this happen. Look at what the Bible says here again. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring water wilderness, by the spring of the way to shore. And he said to her, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and do what? Submit to her. Why? Because there is something that she must do that will bring about the baby that you are carrying. And the Bible said about then the angel of the Lord of God said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they cannot be counted for multitude. Praise God. And we know how the story ended. She went back. Praise God. She went back. This is a true test of character. For you to be with someone Ideally, someone who is in the position to bless you, and yet they are being of the worst experience for you. But it takes what? Maturity. It takes the grace of God to remain because after she gave birth to Ishmael, she still left, but she left with her blessing. Praise God. She left with her blessing. Praise the Lord. And so here we begin to understand that honor is a weapon. Honor is a weapon of warfare. Praise God. Why? Because if the enemy's strategy is to rob us of what God has in store for us, honor is the strategy through which we secure our victory. Praise God. Because we see how that played out in the life of Sarah. Time will not let me, but when you look at the story of Esther, Haman wanted to destroy the entirety of the Jews. And based on the decree that was written, praise the Lord, Esther was going to be part of them. Because the Bible says here, time again, I'll just read it quickly. It says that, so the king and Haman went to dine with Esther. And on the second day, at the banquet of the wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half of the kingdom it shall be. And it says, And the queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold my people and I to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could not, could never compensate for the king's loss. Praise God. Esther understood that Haman was after destroying the entirety of the Jews. But what did she do? She never attacked if, if you read the entirety of the book of Esther, Esther never spoke a word to Haman. Never. Never. Because many a times we need to understand who the enemy is. Praise God. We need to understand who the enemy is. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says what? For our weapons, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this world, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Praise God. The new King James said that what? For our struggle, our weapon, is, or our fight is not against flesh and blood. Many a times we get so caught up in the person who is doing it, not behind the spirit behind who is doing it. Praise the Lord. We are so focused. Oh, this person. Oh, my mother. Oh, my father. Oh, my this, my dad. Not realizing that there is a spirit behind that, at, that particular thing. But if you choose to honor, if you choose to honor, you know, as I round up, I'll share a very interesting story. In 20, I proposed to my wife in 2014, but we didn't get married until 2016. What was the reason? My parents said no. Okay? Now, ideally, one would say, you know what, after all, I live abroad. My wife will come here, we'll get married, life goes on, after all. But something in me chose that, you know what, I understand the role of a parent's blessing. Praise God. So, so I told my wife, let's wait. And we waited, we kept on praying, you know, we kept on fasting, trusting God that eventually my parents will come through. But yet, it seemed like nothing was happening. Now, my mom was the chief person behind this. Now, if you think about it, you think my mom is evil. But absolutely not. But because of the pressure she was going through at the time, because my dad was sick. Praise God. And her idea then was that if I got married, my attention will shift from the family and I will focus on my family. Praise God. But remember I said that every human being is a sum total of their environment, their current situation, their past, or whatever it may be. So that was her insecurity. But she felt that if this boy got married now, then where would the help come from? But I kept on telling her, I said, Mommy, look, the reality of it is for how long are we going to be doing this? Praise God. And so I began to pray, you know, and I can't forget that Saturday morning. God just gave me an idea and I said, you know what? I'll write a letter to my parents. So I called my auntie rather and my auntie said, you know what? You can have delivered about this thing for so long. Why don't you just write a letter to your parents? Because it seems like every time you go home to talk to them or you call them, they tend to shut you up. Just write a letter. Express your whole heart to your parents and see what will come out of it. And so I wrote a letter to my parents. My sister read it. You know, my mom read it and was flaring up. That okay, that's, and the letter I said, look, this is what I, this, I believe you kept my happiness. But anyways, we have fixed our wedding date for November. <laughs> Praise God. And I would love you guys to be part of this experience. And I want to honor all of you. My mom was upset, like, okay, do that what you want. Do the business, blah, blah, blah. But again, God was doing something. Praise God. I'm going somewhere. And so my, my grandmom came to London, and I went to see my grandmom, and I took my wife to my grandma. I said, Mom, Grandma, this is the lady I was telling you about I want to marry. And it, she became like, why have you cried this for so long? And you didn't want to involve me in it or have resolved it. But again, I knew that what God told me to do, that I was doing the right thing. And as God will have it, that night that I went to see my grandma, my dad called me. Out of the blue, I was still in my grandma's house. And she said, I'm calling to give you my blessing. Praise God. Barely 
less than a year, my dad passed away. Now, could you imagine if I had went on with the journey and did not get my father's blessing? So you see that, and all through those times, I never for one day disobeyed my mom. Because if you understand who the enemy is, then you will understand how to fight the battle. I never for one day disrespected my parents. I never for one day raised my voice or argued, but I just kept on praying. Why? Because the Bible said that the heart of kings are in the hand of the Lord. Praise God. And he will change it however he wants. And so perhaps you are in a battle of your life or whatever it is. I tell you this. Honor is a weapon. Praise the Lord. And here someone said that the enemy's agenda is destruction. But his strategy would always be division. And his tactic is offense. The day you take offense, that's the day you start losing the battle. That's the summary of my sermon. Because the person whom you honor, if you, of, if you carry offense in your heart, at no point in time is that honor genuine. Praise God. Because what? The enemy wants you to be offended. That's the root of the whole, that's the summary of the whole gist. He wants you to be offended. Because when you are offended, you lose the blessing. Praise God. And like I told you earlier, that when God is judging a matter, he does not just judge the wrong that was done to you. He judges your response as well. Praise God. And that is why the conclusion is this. No matter what, no matter what, decide before it happens, I will not be offended. Decide before it even happens. Regardless, because you understand that the enemy's, the enemy's strategy would never change. He will never change. The whole idea is to get you offended. Because when you are offended, you lose the joy of the Lord. And when you lose that joy, you are exposed to anything the enemy wishes to do with you. That is why Jesus said that in this world, it's a guarantee, offense will come. And unfortunately, it's those who are closest to us that it hurts the most. Praise God. But if you make that decision never to be offended, you're on your path to victory. Praise the Lord. And so Paul, in conclusion, tells us in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 22 to 23 to 25, he says, Born servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you would receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord and Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. God is the one who does the rewarding. Praise God. God is the one who does the rewarding. So perhaps you are in an uncomfortable situation. God is seeing you. Praise God. Because you see, just like, just like Hagar, the Bible said that what? She named her son Ishmael. Or rather, where she, was, where she encountered the Lord, she named it Jehovah El-Rohi, I believe. And it means the Lord who sees. Praise God. Because he sees every single thing. And he sees what you're doing in your secret place. And he will reward you regardless. And that is how we secure our victory. Let us bow our heads even as we pray. That Father, in the name of Jesus, even as I've heard these wonderful things, but Lord, I need grace. I need grace, O oh God. 
because I understand that honor has a two side to this thing. And Lord, except you grant me the grace to remain faithful, to remain steadfast, Lord, I would not be able to. Therefore, Lord, I need grace. Father, Lord, O oh God in heaven, I pray that you will strengthen me, O oh God. That Lord, despite whatever may be done to us, O oh Lord, you will grant us the grace to remain faithful. That above all, when you see all, we know that you are a just God. And therefore, you will do what is just. Help us, O oh God in heaven. And let your name be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Perhaps you are here. You are yet to surrender your life to Jesus. This is that time. This is that opportunity. Because the reality of it is God will only honor those who honor him. And one of the ways through which we honor God is by surrendering our lives to him. So why don't you say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And on the third day, you rose on the cross of Calvary. I ask that, Lord, you will cleanse me with your blood. Grant me the grace to walk in the reality of the new creation as I confess you as my Lord and my personal Savior. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name.